Hello and welcome to the Real Estate Investment Insights Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Doak. This podcast is a recording from March 16th, 2021, where I hosted a webinar with uh, Jeff Forsberg, Andrew Hunter, Josh Parnell, Morgan Llewellyn, and we discussed the Kent Valley and North Pierce County Asset Class Update. So I hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you have any comments or questions, please don't hesitate to send me an email at Derek at DerekDoke.com. Enjoy the show. With me today, as you guys heard with Jeff, Andrew, Josh, and Morgan, uh, we want to talk about the Kent Valley market, kind of what's going on uh, in the market itself. What what are kind of the trends? What are you hearing from investors? What are you hearing from uh, potential sellers uh, as well as tenants? And uh, get everyone's kind of perspective on where they see the market might go. So, um, first off, I want to just have everyone kind of introduce themselves, talk about what they do and kind of their areas of expertise. And uh, I'm going to start with uh, you, Morgan, uh, if you can give a little background on yourself and, uh, and what you do for a living. Great. Thank you. This is Morgan Llewellyn. My company is Llewellyn Real Estate. I'm happy to be uh, representing four generations of South King County real estate brokers. Um, I've been in my current position for 35 plus years. And my daughter's coming in to take over, which I do exactly what she tells me to. So I'm a geographic specialist. Um, I've worked South King County, anything north of Renton, I start to get confused. But from Renton South into Pierce County, I'm comfortable in office, warehouse, and retail. Um, we have a property management business, so we get a pretty good look at the tenants. And uh, that's it. That's my introduction. We're a small boutique firm. There's four of us. So, so once you left UW, you called it good. I'm not going north anymore. <laughs> That's right. I have a construction management degree, which makes me dangerous <laughs> for tenant improvement jobs. But yeah, no, and I, I've it's been it's been very good, and I'm uh, I'm grateful. There's no scallywags or criminals in my family tree. So uh, it's a relationship <laughs> business, and it's it's fun. I'm not I'm usually not very far from. Oh yeah, I think you know this person. So. That's been a lot of fun, and the in the south the south end has been uh, has been very good to my family, and yeah, so that's great. Super happy. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, thank you, Morgan. Glad you're here. And uh, Josh, why don't you give a little bit about yourself and uh, and 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 what you do? Thanks, Derek. Appreciate you inviting me on. Uh, my second time on here, and uh, pleasant surprise to not be on video. So a lot of pressure off on that. Thank you. Uh, I've been with First Preston Properties uh, for 15 years, uh, but our firm is a boutique firm as well uh, with four regional offices. Uh, we've been around since 1979. Our main focus is retail shopping centers, uh, leasing and sales. We do a lot of tenant representation, uh, representing the Starbucks and Subways and McDonald's of the world. Uh, you know, this last year has been kind of a crazy year with COVID, of course, but, uh, you know, we've been doing this a long time and just have some really great clients and the Seattle market is really shown itself to be you know resilient during this time and uh we're excited about the future so thanks for having me you bet thank you josh for being here um andrew hunter i mean andrew you and i've been on panels together we've worked on deals together and uh when i think of anything self-storage i always think of you and now that you have little baby twins at home um <laughs> i still think of you but i know the delay of getting back to me is justified so uh, yeah, or so <laughs> nice. I am I'm the famous for emailing like uh, twelve thirty at night, like hey, uh, this, I'm just opening this. Uh, 
Anyway, yeah, so I'm, I'm uh, uh, great to be on the panel. Uh, I'm uh, I, I, Andrew. I work at a Cushman and Wakefield. Uh, we do kind of all sorts of property from uh, some of the big skyscraper stuff. But uh, I particularly fit into the big organization as a in the capital markets group uh, as a self storage guy. So kind of fill the need of uh, you know when people are looking for feasibility studies. Uh, does self storage work here for development, or uh, when it comes time to buy or sell it? Um, that's kind of where I fit in. That's where I can help people. Well, perfect. Thanks, Andrew. And then last but not least, with uh, Jeff, uh, who we're in the same office together, and um, we won't say anything bad about your sidekick since he's not on the uh, the, the show with us. But uh, Jeff, why don't you let everyone know who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, thanks, Derek. Yeah, Jeff Forsberg. I'm a principal with NEI. Um, do South End Industrial. Been doing that for close to 25 years um, with my partner Ari Solomon. And you know, we've been. Um, you know, our business is solely kind of tenant wrapped, industrial, institutional kind of focus. So you know, a lot of the big um, transactions or big listings down that area, we have our hand in a fair number of them. So. Yeah, there's there's been there's been a lot of uh, a lot of growth in that market for sure. Especially, I mean, I grew up in Sumner, um, and uh, and seeing the fields I used to work in, uh, you know, at Oda Farms and others, and you start seeing those all warehouses and everything else. So it's uh, it's definitely changed from the from the 80s and my old stomping grounds. That's for sure. Um, well, the first question I want to put out to the panel, and I'm going to start with you, Jeff, is kind of the general thoughts of the market conditions today i mean where, where are you seeing the market uh in south king county and and um i think that's kind of the uh i guess look, looking at the the whether it's the market conditions for a particular asset class or just the the growth of the the uh, uh population i mean what how, how are you viewing the market sure so even prior to the pandemic, you know, the Kent Valley industrial market, even the, you know, the, even the, the, the Pierce County industrial markets were, you know, crown jewels throughout the nation in terms of where institutions wanted to be. And that was a combination of our, you know, the land restrictions in this area, plus the ports and the population growth in our economy, just, you know, almost like a perfect storm for um, institutional owners. So, you know, we have that. And then when COVID hit, I think there was a, there was a fear among a lot of people that things would slow down and, you know obviously that's happened with some retail and josh can talk more about that but um and definitely office but for for us in industrial i mean we're so fortunate in the fact that um, the e-commerce adoption so you know over the last six months and this is what you know industry experts have said and this isn't just looking at the kent valley this is nationally but over this last six months people have adopted e-commerce um in 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 a velocity that they thought would take 10 years and that's created tremendous growth in our industries and mostly it's kind of a have and have not situation where you know the bigger um national companies have been the ones who've been absorbing you know tons of space and you, you look at amazon and i think of our business last year you know we did a 215,000 square foot lease with costco we did a um you know, 40,000 square foot lease with Amazon, but it was on a, like a, you know, they got 10 acres of yard in addition to that. And then we did a 1.15 million square foot deal with Lowe's down, you know, further south down along I-5. Um, so, I mean, we've been really fortunate. If you look at the Kent Valley numbers, you know, um, vacancy rates have stayed, you know, 
flat, if not decreased a little bit. There's been, there's over 2 million square feet of positive net absorption in our market. You know, they're finding ways to build more projects. Um, you know, there was 6.25 million square feet of new construction. And there's another 7.4 million square feet of new construction um, planned in, in our market. So, you know, the combination of these things has just made it it's just a, you know, a tremendous market for, for institutional owners who've been lucky enough to buy in, um, it's hard if you want to try to to get into our market right now, just because it's so competitive. Um, and it's pushed out. You know, the when I first started working the business, I want want to think like the 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 mix between institutional owners and you know local wealthy individuals in the Kent Valley and the industrial properties was probably fifty fifty. You know, I want to say that's kind of flipped, and now it's probably you know ninety ten. I mean, there's still some wealthy people holding out who own some buildings, but the majority of it is just institutional owners. It makes it really hard for you know somebody who wants to break into the valley. Um, you have to be kind of creative or look at stuff that's probably not kind of the crown jewels that some of these institutions are looking for. Yeah, I can see that. Um, and Andrew, on self storage, I know you and I looked at some uh, did a feasibility on a property in Auburn which look great because I still think there's a lot of demand in, uh, in that area, especially Lakeland area uh, for storage. What do you see in um, market condition wise for that area for self storage? Yeah. I mean, the Valley is an interesting place. Uh, we have a lot of self storage facilities running up and down uh, 167 there, uh, kind of in that industrial zone, uh, probably because it was flat to build. Uh, and traditionally self storage is kind of, you know, I wasn't married to industrial, but it made a good sense. Uh, but overall, it's a pretty healthy market. Um, it was one of the areas that wasn't really overbuilt. Uh, as you see, self-storage become pretty popular. Uh, there's been some neighborhoods that have just been hammered with self-storage. If you've taken a drive down, say, South Hill Puyallup, you'll notice that there's quite a few, and most of them are new. Uh, so that didn't necessarily happen in Kent. There's uh, in the Kent Valley as a whole, it was a little more. Uh, controlled, so uh, seeing pretty steady rents there, um, self storage. Um, during the last year, uh, they didn't go down, mostly flat, but uh, that was more a factor of uh, just just supply and demand than uh, COVID. Uh, COVID would actually uh, uh, kind of not not really a factor on self storage. In fact, it may have been uh, a positive. If that's such a thing, but uh, more people store stuff, clearing out the garage. Uh, but yeah, so pretty resilient industry. Uh, and the Kent Valley just uh, just goes to show that. So very healthy market. Still strong. And then and then uh, Josh, I know you and I have talked on retail. I mean, you've done a great job at some of the retail centers I've been a part of in the past. And um, what 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 are you seeing now? in the in the current market in the conditions itself as it relates to retail because it seems like retail is getting hammered on um, i'm working on this deal in seattle even and some of the local banks won't even lend on a retail deal in seattle uh, at 50 percent mm -hmm. loan to value they said they're waiting until fall i mean uh how are you seeing the conditions down there for retail you know it's interesting it's you know it's march 16th so i mean a year ago is when the shutdown happened right and so retail was completely hammered, tons of fear, tons of uncertainty. But the interesting thing is that the demand, the consumer demand has just skyrocketed back. You know, you put a bunch of people stuffed in their house and then they are itching to get out and connect with people. And so experiences, food, you know, fitness, you know, people want to do these things. And so we're seeing it spring back 
it's also springing back in a different way. Uh, a lot of our restaurant clients are, one of, one of my clients said he has 20 restaurants. He says he literally was only down 5% year over year from 2020 over 2019. But the, but this, the type of consumer was through DoorDash, Uber Eats, Takeout. Not, he wasn't relying on indoor dining. So we've really seen the retailers evolve and shift. Uh, like Chipotle, for example, they're doing drive-thrus now that is only for pickup that you ordered online. And so it's just, again, it's a shift that's happening. And so, you know, we've seen the South Sound has been very resilient. You know, probably the only area in our market that's been really hit hard has been the urban core of Seattle. Anything in the suburbs has, has thrived because people are working from home, so they're, they're consuming more from home. Um, so we see a ton of demand. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of landlords do a great job of pivoting and trying to help their tenants and getting outdoor patios during the winter and tents and heaters and all this stuff. Uh, so, so we're optimistic now with kind of the vaccine rolling out and just getting into phase three. I think that's going to be a big piece to kind of keep that momentum going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful the cities, like I was in Sumner the other day at Kraft and go there and get coffee before my meeting. And then now the city has allowed outdoor seating into like two parking stalls. They built a nice little cover, like a little area that has uh, fencing around it. It's a great place to sit and have coffee. And before, if you Mm -hmm. ever went to the city to try to get a variance to do something like that, there's absolutely no way you would never get that. So um, I'm hopeful this helps on the retail side and especially around those types of services that the cities will open that up and leave that as part of the amenities for individuals. Right. So, um, definitely. so I think that's sort of the positive that's coming out of it. Yeah. I think like the city of Kent, I know has been real proactive with Kent station and working with Tarragon on that. Uh, Tarragon has done a great job. They've done a bunch of food drives and a bunch of community efforts down there. Um, one of the other big pieces was the, the Washington State Liquor Department changing the rules about restaurants selling liquor to go and selling wine bottles of wine to go and margarita kits to go. And they never were allowed to do that before. And that was a huge revenue bump for a lot of these groups that were you know, pivoting in their to-go business. So that'll be interesting to see what the liquor laws do. Do they change? Do they stay the same? Uh, that's kind of uncertain at the point at this moment. Yeah. No, and, and, and municipalities always play a rule in and uh, a, a variable in everything, anything we do from a development or anything else. So um, I kind of want to let's turn the next question around on that on municipalities. Um, and Morgan, I'll go to you first. And I know you work. I mean, Burien's been going through a, a growth spurt. Um, and I know that uh, Des Moines's been going through a growth spurt. Des Moines, you know, down the the marina's got some big things happening. What are you seeing from the municipalities? in South King County, uh, encouraging new developments or just encouraging redevelopments? Um, let me just speak first to Kent, <clears throat> which is where most of my business is. Um, you know, they too have been impacted by COVID. It's really interesting, the pandemic, the reach of the impact, I think it's just been fascinating. One of the things that um, is a large, well-regarded multi-family housing developer doing a project that I'm involved in and um, getting close to closing. And he says, oh, we're going to need an extension because so many of the people working on the uh, entitlements are working from home. So they don't have that 
and I was together and, and the scuttlebutt is that it slowed down. I, I, I didn't know whether that was just an excuse, but it seemed plausible. So we were like, sure, <laughs> happy to, happy to get anything done. Um, so I, I, I echo what Josh said. I, I think that the, uh, and this values have been very, uh, limber and quick to move on particularly some of the, uh, retail establishments. Um, in Ken Station and around, and I think Burien in the South County area, all these guys are trying to keep these restaurants alive. And I also agree with them. There's just an incredible pent-up demand. It's, uh, you know, my family and family and friends that are not spending any money. There's no place to go. And you, know, you can only sit outside in 40-degree tents for a while, and then it's it's not so fun. So I think there's going to be a huge and quick rebound. We'll see. Um, so. But you walk into these city halls and they're empty. You know, the municipalities are like every other business. Uh, So many people are working from home, which is to me the really interesting piece. What's going to happen with the office market? So, yeah. Well, I I do feel like if if you have a retail opportunity or a development opportunity, now's the time to talk to the city because there may be some ways to get some things you may not have gotten before, like additional outdoor seating and things like that. So I don't know about on the industrial side though, Jeff, is there, is there much municipality involvement or any change in municipalities, the way they're treating industrial uh, during all this? Not necessarily during all this. I mean, prior to this, the city of Kent um, was really looking at kind of their, their tax structure and how they were getting money for streets and some services and, have changed some of the development fees or what can be built. Um, I think they've looked at, you know, somebody putting up a million square foot building that employs, you know, 25 people doesn't necessarily help their tax base much. So they have rolled out different ways of addressing that, um, mostly on the development fee side. And it's uh, this, this tiered system that even for me is a little confusing, but you can dig through it if you need to. Yeah, I think tax, I mean, that's one of the, you know, e-commerce, so much around the tax uh, that's going on. I mean, now that this, you know, potential capital gains tax in the state, you know, fortunately, it's not going to hit us in the real estate side. Um, they're really trying to go after the stock option people and those that have other types of capital gains. Um, I, the the other thing, though, that we have, the other thing that we have seen is like the assessors and tax assessments on, on real estate and industrial properties have you know skyrocketed. And I think they're looking at that more now, just like taking advantage of, you know, the increase in values and, you know, getting a corresponding, you know, higher basis on the tax base and, you know, really going after land source in that respect too. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they adopt something like in California where they have an assessment tax. So when you buy a property, they newly assess it. And then you, as the buyer, pay the delta between what it was prior in the first year as an assessment, um, which uh, which would be interesting to see if they start bringing something like that into effect. Because then it'll affect you as the buyer, whereas in our state, we don't pay it as the buyer, right? The seller pays the excise. Um, so could be a, an impact there. Uh, now let's, let's switch and talk a little about client expectations. Um, I know... Andrew, I'm going to start with you on this one. Is you talk to a lot of in, potential investors and people that are looking at doing developments for self-storage. Are you seeing in the as it pertains to like the Valley area uh, when you talk to these investors? Are you seeing any expectations differ 
now than what they were before? I mean, are they willing to take less of a return or is self-storage been so steady that it's kind of the same? Uh, kind of the latter. Uh, the market's becoming a little more liquid. We've seen some more transactions this year than we'd see uh, a typical year, which isn't many. Uh, so uh, some people are, hey, you know, maybe you know, maybe it's just seeing what's going on out there. It's making people rethink how they, you know, self-storage is a pretty highly appreciated asset, so maybe it's time to sell. Um, but no, I mean, we're really tied with uh, with interest rates as low as they are. Self-storage has been very resilient through all this and uh, haven't seen a lot of movement on the rates. Uh, cap rates essentially haven't changed since uh, pre-COVID. So um, self-storage as advertised was a very uh, recession-proof product, and it's just proven that to be the case. Where are you seeing cap rates on self-storage? Uh, depending on where they are, they tend to mirror uh, apartment cap rates. Uh, like I said, we don't have a lot of data points because there's not a lot of transactions, but uh, cap rates will range anywhere from uh, low, like 4.5 to, uh, you know, something close to the core to uh, all the way to 7 uh, if you're out uh, a little further away. Uh, depending on the size of the facility can make a big difference too. So if you're an institutional yeah. size facility where it supports management, you can get a real, you know, compressed cap rate uh, just because the type of buyer that wants to purchase something like that, uh, you know, figure 5.5 is a good average. And on, on an institutional size, what typically falls, like in apartments, I know it's 100 plus units, you know, what, in, in self-storage, what is there, what's the, the kind of the cutoff where, where it becomes an institutional deal versus a local buyer? Yeah, nationally, uh, people will tell you it's about 45,000 square feet, uh, but here, uh, our rents tend to be quite a bit higher. Uh, so your facility can kind of be smaller. Uh, I would say about 35,000 square feet uh, in the Seattle area is where you're going to have that kind of economy of scale to uh, hand it over to a third-party manager to just to run it. Uh, and, you know, some investors are looking just for that. Um, you know, that, that, so that, that's kind of the sweet spot there is about 35,000 square feet in our market. Okay. And then, and 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 Jeff, I'm going to go back to you with the the same question, um, kind of from the client's perspective, both the buyer and the seller. Um, what kind of conversations are you having, or what kind of concerns are you you hearing, and um, what are they asking for? Um, you know, from the seller, it's just it, it's human nature; they just want to maximize the value of their assets. Um, you know, buyers, it's, it's, it's just a mix in terms of what's out there. And, you know, a lot of the institutions want to try to do off-market transactions um, because, you know, I think they're just not competing. Sometimes, you know, off-market transaction doesn't necessarily mean that it's not, you know, the highest value. It's just they feel like if they're not competing, they have a little bit more leeway. But, um, you know, I... I think you get a mixed bag um, it's just in terms of how much more runway we have on this on this market and you know, how much longer it's going to go. And there's some people who are so bullish and they just think that rates are going to keep rising. And there's other people who are seeing a little bit of softening. And we do have a soft part of the market if you're looking for, you know, somewhere between 25 to 60,000 square feet in a Class B building in Kent. I and mean, there's lots of options right now. You know, there's probably over 30 options on the market. So, um, and we've seen those rates compress a little bit. So, you know, 
the bigger spaces are tending to do better in the bigger companies, you know, the targets, Amazons, those type of companies seem to be really thriving. Um, there's some of the, you know, smaller regional firms that are, are struggling. It also depends on what industry you're in right now, too. That's interesting. So the soft market's kind of that, that, that smaller, in industrial terms, smaller, smaller spaces. Um, when I say, when I think of smaller space, I'm thinking like, you know, a thousand to 10,000 square feet, but that's probably a good opportunity as an investor to look for something of that size as kind of like the last mile. Um, yeah, the, the smaller spaces, yeah, the smaller dockai spaces are, are doing well. It's again, it's something you know in the thirty to sixty thousand square foot range that is yeah. that is soft. And if you look at the market from, you know, Sumner up, and if you just look at those type of spaces, we've had significant negative absorption over the last year. Um, you know, it's yeah. bailed out a lot when Amazon leases, you know, three million square feet in a year. Um, yeah. But you know some of those smaller spaces um, are are struggling. Yeah, and I, and and I imagine Josh, it's kind of similar in retail. Like the big box spaces are probably a lot more difficult to deal with in in the pockets down there versus the the smaller retail. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, I think the if it's a junior box and it's a fashion orientation that's getting the internet hit. I mean, you're seeing seven and a half, eight cap, where if we go grocery anchored, you're five cap, five and a half cap. I mean, some of the single tenant stuff we do, like we, uh, Tim Weber in our office does a lot of 7-Eleven work. I mean, a single tenant 7-Eleven will sell for a four and a half cap. So we're seeing a huge divide and spread in where the investors are, are pushing on those things. Um but there still is junior box demand. I mean, a lot of the discounters, we do all the work for Burlington stores. They want 10 new locations in Washington state and they have great credit. They just announced they want to open 200 new stores across the country. So, I mean, so we're still seeing the tenant demand, but the investors are still kind of trying to wade through that and figure out kind of how to navigate some of the risk because the junior boxes have a lot of co-tenancy restrictions. Um, they have a lot of termination rights, so they're, they're just a riskier investment class right now, for sure. I think some of the, the stuff, too, the, the lenders are tightening down. They want more down payment. They want more reserves. They're going to put a higher vacancy factor on them. Um, so it's, it is a little bit more difficult to sell a property in today's environment, even though interest rates are, are really low. Yeah. And what, what do you what do you see from, uh, from your, your in, investor client base? I mean, what's... Have they uh, have they adjusted their uh, expectations uh, during these markets, or are they are they feeling it's an opportunity to go in and try and just really aggressively get a better deal? I think there's a lot of money on the on the sideline, and I haven't seen anybody really running away from retail. If you're a retail person, you understand that, and you've kind of lived through the COVID risk, and and you know you've adapted to trying to merchandise your shopping centers to be internet resistant. Uh, we've been doing that for the last six years. Um, so I, I think there still is a lot of demand. Uh, you know, we put a, a property on the market in Tacoma. We got seven offers on it for sale. So and we were selling it. We're under contract over the asking price. So, yeah, you know, it's we've been yeah. pleasantly surprised yeah. to see the continued demand. No, it, 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 I, I'm seeing it everywhere as well. Because we had a client put an offer on a retail center and then they got five offers and it sold that 15% over ask in one day. Um, 
uh, yeah, I think there's just a lot, a lot of pent up investor. Um, what about sellers? What do you, what, from the people that you talk to and that you, you court to list their property, what's kind of the attitude of the sellers right now around the market? Uh, I yeah, I mean, I thought Jeff put it, yeah, appreciate that. I think Jeff put it well. I mean, everybody wants to maximize. I think the motivation now might be different. You know, we've had some investors that are saying, hey, we want to, we don't want to be in Washington anymore because we're afraid of the political environment. So now their motivation might be a little higher because they want to place their money in Montana or Idaho or, you know, so I've seen a little bit of that of an exit mentality. And so they might be willing to take a discount just to avoid maybe the capital gains shift, maybe, right? Um, but most everybody else wants to, you know, hold, get their get their NOI stable, and then, you know, reposition to sell it, you know, later this year or 2022. Well, just for the record, if you have any of those sellers you come across and they're looking to just leave the area, let me know because I'll be more than happy to buy. Uh, <laughs> you I, got it. I, I, I just had this conversation with an investor out of uh, California uh, last week, and it was the exact same thing. They were talking about Seattle, and I said, compare us, whether it's all the resources, the natural resources we have here, where we get our power from, you know, the, the growth of the education here, the, the, the people that live here and, and the jobs that are available, and you start looking at all the growth, and then they, you show them the stats, and they're like, well, yeah, why would anyone leave the area? I mean, making a knee-jerk reaction because there's some political uproar right now, um, I, I don't think would be a very wise business move. Um, Seattle's a beautiful place, the whole area. We got Yes, we've got some issues right now, but they'll get, they'll get figured out. Too many smart people, a lot smarter than me, will get it figured out. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I, I, think the, I think retail buyers are retail buyers, and you're looking for the kind of the quasi-internet-proof type uh, investments, you know, for sure. Um, speaking yeah, of outside conversations, yeah. oh, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just going to, Jim Reynolds, if you know him from Great Clips, he, he, his joke is always, you can't get your haircut online. So he, he's got job security. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this little retail building that I'm under contract with, with the client right now, I mean, that's what it has. It has, it has a barber, you know, it, it has a bakery. You're not getting your scones. You know, well, I guess you could have them delivered, but still walk up to the bakery and get your scone and coffee. But it's a, a tailor. You know, those types of things are just I like those neighborhood type uh, type locations. I think they'll they'll always be there. And I don't know about everybody else, but I am zoomed and teamed and every every, you know, way of watching and seeing content online from home. I'm done with It's like I want to get back to getting some interactions and having some sit down conversations. And, um, so anyways, um, and I'm sure people are kind of tired of this, th these episodes as well. They're going, okay, here we go. Another real estate conversation online through the internet. Let's, uh, let's get to a live event. You know, when SEBA can start having live events again, we're all looking forward to it. Um, let's talk, let's talk about kind of outside money coming in. You know, there was always a conversation of foreign money coming in, but I'm seeing other States that, investors that are getting active from areas that I haven't seen before, you know, Midwest and others. Um, and I'm going to start, I'm going to start with you on this one, Morgan. I know you've got uh, some longtime family clients. Um, I'm just curious, are you getting any conversations or hearing any conversations from others outside the Seattle area that are um, trying to invest in this market? 
My experience over the last couple of years have been with um, office users, which which I think is more volatile than the warehouse. I, I, I'm not, I'm a little bearish on retail, but it's great to hear Josh is not. The, the office market where I have had some um, outside money, actually international money come into the market and pick up a, what I consider to be a marquee property in Kent, which is not an oxymoron, just in case anybody's wondering. There are <laughs> beautiful properties in Kent, Kent Station being one of them. Um, but the, the office market to me is, is very much of a question mark um, as far as desirability. And I know it's kind of a state of the state and that one's really, you know, I'm really curious about it. When I hear the statistics of uh, what's happening in downtown Seattle, which has got its own issues, but going from a, over 95% occupancy to I think 38 was the last number I read that uh, 38% of those offices have bodies in them. And uh, I'm certainly seeing that in the office market and wonder what that's going to do to cap rates. The other thing that I think is sort of artificially supporting this market are rates. I mean, gee, it's just, this is an opportunity to go out and get debt, that's for sure, which is probably driving some of these prices because, um, you know, rates are so low. It's it's astounding to me. Um, so I'm I'm trying to prepare my office clients for uncertainty and don't spend all your money because, um, I have, you know, one of my largest and longtime tenants in the Kent Valley, an office user, very prominent. They're shrinking. Um, they're, they're asking for a smaller footprint. And, you know, looking at the tech sector, which, you know, I have uh, family members and friends working in the tech sector. And they're, uh, I, I recall that um, just through a series of contacts, uh, one of the board members of Microsoft is a son of a friend. And he said the first meeting in COVID of the board the comment from the board of Microsoft was, wow, this is going to have a really big impact on commercial office space. And I agree with that because uh, so many of us, including me, in this phone call right now is, is happening from my home office. And what's that going to do to, uh, you know, the support businesses around Seattle downtown and any, any downtown core, small or large. I think it's, it's really interesting to see what's going to happen. And I am, um, I'm not guessing on what's going to happen. I'm just going to watch, see, but, but preparing my owners for, I think we're in a uh, pretty big phase of uncertainty on the long-term uh, office market. I agree with you. Seattle's still beautiful, great resources. It's got some interesting politics right now, but you know, so does the country. Um, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because I don't look as much at office, but you and I have an office property in Burien. And, yeah. you know, you and uh, Allison leased up that. I mean, it was vacant for, what, four years? Yeah. Um, before you guys took it over. And then you, all of a sudden, we start getting a lot of interest. And uh, so, I mean, we'll be 100% full in that building probably come spring. So I think, and that's during this yeah. time, you leased up the other space right, right in the middle of, of the pandemic. So, um I, uh, I I do think that there's going to be some shift in the office space, but I, I know from my neighbors and people I talk to, they're really wanting to get back into some form of office environment um, and have the flexibility to do a little bit. So I, I think they'll, I, I don't know, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm very, yeah. I'm always optimistic, right? The glass is always, well, I, to me, is always half full, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and, I, and I'm with you. And I, you know, I look at that and say, well, statistically, gee, there's just a lot of people staying home. But then I, I also, my, the empirical evidence in my markets are like, I, I have one, you know, 1,700 square foot 
listing in downtown Kent, which is my main area. It's like I got one vacancy. Uh, Ambom is again filled up, and you know I'm seeing uh, no retreat, which is surprising. I thought there'd be a bigger contraction. Not that I have that big of a sample, but um, there hasn't been a big retreat, you know, with a few few exceptions. Um, so it's it's really interesting. It, it's a little counterintuitive, and I've been a little pleasantly surprised by it. But I don't think the shoe has dropped yet. On you know as these leases cycle through, I think that's going to be the telling telling story. And some of the tenants, the office tenants I have, are now negotiating on extensions that are a year or two down the road. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Well, um, and and kind of talking about financing, uh, I, I found it very interesting that it was harder for me to get a quote on financing a property by University of Washington on a retail at 50% loan to value than it was for me to get one down in Sumner. Um, and the banks, the local banks just weren't, you know, that interested in doing any retail financing in a fully leased grade A location, 50% LTV. I mean, it was, it was amazing. I think someone mentioned earlier about having to put in, you know, more money uh, as it relates to building up capital accounts. I think Josh, you were talking about that. I mean, where they're asking you now to build up a reserve for 12 months. You can't touch it. You can maybe get it back in five years. I mean, there's just a lot of restrictions on financing. So um, I'm going to start with you, Jeff, and talk about industrial financing. I mean, what are you seeing out there in the market um, with your clients that you've worked with and, and how are you seeing uh, the lending institutions treating uh, those types of assets? Um, you know, so our, our market's a little skewed just because most of the transactions that, that we're involved in are kind of bigger institutional stuff that are all cash. Um, the, some of the smaller deals that we have worked on, um, it's just the timing. It just takes a little bit longer. You can still get financing. But, you know, trying to get financing in 30 days and get approved is just almost impossible, especially if you're getting a little SBA loan. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing um, that, that we've seen and had to deal with. Yeah. No, I think, and, and working remotely, things have all drawn out, Whether whatever the service is. I feel like it's taken a little longer to get things through uh, the lenders. We had two we did in West Seattle for two apartments, and they had to get a, an extension. Uh, the lender gave an extension um, to the seller so that uh, they can get everything done on their end. That was just paperwork shuffling around. Um, Part of me thinks that, that, how about that, you that and you know, the, the rates are so low that um, you know they just don't want to get the money out to a certain extent. I mean, I've had a couple of transactions <laughs> like, why is this so hard? But uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been interesting. Well, you know, it, 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 it always amazes me that they've got this pent up balance sheet in order, and they say all this money to lend. You go in there with somebody with you know a you know tens of million dollars worth of net worth, zero debt, fifty percent loan to value on a two million dollar building. And they want to, they're, they're basically busting his chops. It's like, I just want to borrow a million dollars, whatever, what's the rate? You know, it's like, it, 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 it amazes me that they're not putting it out there a little easier on the financing. They always talk about all this money they have available to lend. Um, but there is a lot of money for, for uh, multifamily. Uh, when I called on the Seattle property, they said, if it's a multifamily property, no problem. And to me, I feel like multifamily has some potential uh, issues with uh with with all the vacancies and the incentives you have to give to keep people in them um could be some problems on the lending side but anyways um andrew how about you on self-storage I, I know you're working on a couple deals uh on the islands um yeah. talking to potential lenders what are you seeing on financing 
Uh, it's interesting you said something about the multifamily. Uh, that happens self storage a lot. It's like a lender either gets it or they don't. So uh, one lender is talking to me about, uh, well, what's the price per unit? And it's like, uh, that, that's not really how you, you price self storage because uh, all the units are just crazy different sizes. It's not a good metric. So they didn't really get it. But uh, you know, the lenders that do are very aggressive. Um, I've seen it. Some people, some of the bigger outfits are netting interest rates at like 3% on uh, their portfolio. So seeing a lot of refi action right now with uh, uh, the lenders that understand self-storage. And the ones that really get it are being extremely aggressive uh, in their, their in their interest rates. Are, are they given, uh, are, are you seeing development dollars for financing or is it just new purchases or refinance? Uh, both. Uh, most of the refinancing we've seen is on existing facilities. Uh, development kind of slowed down, uh, and that was more of a factor of supply and demand. Uh, most of the markets, uh, the good sites are, I mean, they're not all gone, but a lot of them were taken. Uh, so on the development side, I haven't seen a lot of pushback on self-storage development uh, from the lender. Now, are there any, uh, are there any, areas in the South Sound that you've kind of looked at and said there's kind of a shortage or a need. So if somebody's on the listening in to this and they go, Oh, Andrew said you should probably look at, you know, off Canyon or, um, you know, the, uh, off, I got to think that self storage in the Valley is a little more difficult because the housing is on the Hills. Yeah. So, and that's primarily your user. I'd say any self storage facility, okay. at least 10% of your, tenants are going to be commercial users. So the Valley may make sense for them, but uh, that's not a big component. So uh, you want to be close to where your customers live uh, and that's up on the hill. So sites up on the hill, if you can find it with the zoning works, uh, basically anything out there is going to be a pretty good site because uh, most of the development is taking place uh, traditionally down in the Kent Valley. Now, the city of Kent has made it quite difficult through some of their uh, zoning action so if you're going to build self-storage in Kent, you're going to have to find a way to uh, not build it on the ground floor, uh, which is rather difficult. But uh, they didn't mm. quite, they didn't outlaw it per se, but they uh, uh, made it extremely tough to do. Now, if you were to get real creative uh, and find a kind of multi-use building um, where you do do self-storage on the top floor, I think you could do something where, hey, I'm going to reduce rents because I can't compete with someone that can walk to their unit. Uh, but uh, it might be a good use of space. Uh, but that being said, I mean, well, and Kent has decided that self-storage just isn't a good use for uh, the scarce resource of land. So on, so a South Sound as a whole, where would you where would you shop as an investor? Where, where would you shop for self-storage? Oh yeah, back to your original question. I love uh, Bonnie Lake uh, <laughs> up that area. If you can get up on the hill. Uh, perfect. Uh, Auburn looks good again, up on the Hill. Uh, and then if you can figure out something in Kent, uh, that works around their, uh, crazy code, uh, you're going to have the only site that's being constructed probably for a long time. So you'd have a captive audience. Yeah. Good, uh, good hunting grounds. Yeah. As, 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 as we'd say. Um, and then Josh, of course, I always like talking retail cause that's what I know the most. <laughs> so I, I always, I always love hearing what you have to say on the, uh, the, the retail, uh, areas and, uh, and then the financing. I mean, how are you seeing 
from your clients financing down there in the South Sound? Are you seeing uh, banks amenable to financing? Or are you seeing a difficult form to get financing? Or I mean, it really just depends on if it's institutional or not. Um, you know, the institutional guys, they have more money than they know what to do with, and they're hungry and they're looking to place it. So, and they might be, you know, all cash. Um, if it's a regional group, 10 million or less, it's going to be just a deal by deal basis. And, you know, the scrutiny on it's going to just look at, you know, what's the credit profile of the tenants and, and how you're coming at it. Um, so it's, it's a little, I'm kind of avoiding the question, but it's a little bit all over the board. Uh, it really just depends on yeah. uh, where it's at and what the tenant mix is. That's going to drive a ton of kind of the lender reaction to it. Yeah. And I, and I guess the caution I'd put out there is that if, even though there's low interest rates, before you really dive into acquire a property, you, you want to talk to either your loan broker or a couple of lenders to make sure it's feasible. Because I remember about six months ago, they just started doing a lot more of the reserve accounts. And that really took a lot of buyers that I was working with, their mind kind of shifted going, oh, wait a minute, now I got to put six months of payments in reserves. Um, and it's not really accounted for in their forecast. So, um, so just, just be cautious and make sure that you actually do have money lined up versus just going off the internet and saying, Oh, it looks like retail average, uh, is 3.75% on a 25 year AM five year term. Um, you may get that and you may not. So, um, that's the only caution yeah. I have. I think, that I think similar to Andrew's comment though, the locations are, it's up the hill, right? It's Bonnie Lake, it's Auburn Lakeland. Covington, Maple Valley. I mean, that's where probably the most investor demand is because that's where the retail is probably thriving more than the Valley right now. Uh, yeah. In, in, in most instances. Well, it, 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 I also have, I've seen a lot of housing projections for Maple Valley area. That's a good one to bring up because when you get the back row between Renton and Maple Valley, or you're going through Kent, heading out to Maple Valley, that backside there in between, um, there's a lot of open land there. And it seems like there's, you know, I'm hearing rumors that there's a fair amount of housing developments going back in that area. So if you can hunt down some commercial land in those areas off those main roads, might be a good opportunity uh, for future development. I mean, Maple Valley has, we've done about 50,000 square feet of new construction projects out there in the last 24 months. And there's literally like 1% vacancy in Maple Valley right now for good commercial space. So it's, yeah. there's definitely a supply issue out there. And, and the housing is, you know, is booming. I mean, Oak Point Development's doing several thousand homes down in Black Diamond at their 10 Trails project. I think they're they're done with their first phase and they're under construction, I think, on phase two, I believe. So, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of good momentum happening that way. Yeah, I, I was out in uh, Enumclaw this last week, and uh, it, it, it's really—I mean, it's—it's it's really changing out there as well. Another another good market to look at. All right, well, this this is the time in the show when it's always fun to talk about what if, right? This is a everyone gets to to make their predictions, looking at their tea leaves, and uh, and the, the the question really falls into where do you see the market going? And, and I'm gonna. I'm going to start with you, Morgan. Um, and, uh, you know, as you look at the market today and let's say take out the next 12 months or so, what, what are your key indicators? What are you looking for? 
and uh, what do you think might happen here in the uh, in the Valley area? I think the the biggest question mark for me is what's going to happen to the office market, and it's uh, it's regional because I'm wondering if we've hit that seismic shift where people are just a lot more comfortable working from home, and whether the whether corporate America is going to buy into that or not. There is that human element, and I agree with you, Derek, that uh, you know I I love my family, but I'm looking for a break too from them. <laughs> I see them a lot. So that's what I'm, that's what, that's my biggest question mark. I, I think the, uh, one of the things I look at in, in watching, because you know, I, I watch the residential market as well. I, I invest there personally. And boy, these rates are just driving what continues to be a white hot uh, residential market. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the inflationary pressures of the trillions that we're dumping into the economy nationally are going to have some impact on inflation, then what's that going to do to rates and prices? So um, I'm on the sidelines on that personally, just because it's more difficult, still deals out there, but it's difficult to make them work, except for the fact that money is so cheap. So um, any money I can get on long-term, I'm, I am. Um, I think it's, a, I think it's the, one of the best plays in the market right now just to get debt if you can get it long-term. So watching yeah. the office market and uh, sort of slack-jawed at what's happening on the residential side because it doesn't seem to be slackening. It's interesting. That's it. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. How about you, Andrew? What do you, uh, you know, what are you, what are you going to put your flag in the ground on and say, here's what I think is going to happen? Uh, is, uh, is no change? Is that something to... Um, I, uh, I mean, it's just, it's self storage. It's, it's kind of its own animal for uh, real estate. It, uh, you know, mirrors kind of multifamily, uh, people always need a place to live. People, the last thing that they get rid of is their stuff. Uh, stuff's gotta be really bad to go sell, uh, all your old, you know, grandma's stuff. So, um, I see self storage continuing to be kind of that, uh, safety play, uh, where you're going to not have a lot of variation and, um, uh, you know, rents or uh, the capital markets. Um, I think it's always going to be kind of there for that, that investor that's, you know, seeking more to uh, not lose capital than to, uh, you know, to gain it. Yeah. Are, are there are there any markets that you think are overbuilt right now in the Seattle market as far as self-storage yeah. goes? Yeah, there's a couple. The, I mean, uh, Federal Way is pretty built, built out. Uh, South Hill Puyallup particularly. Uh, is built out. Um, the reason some of those markets did get built out is uh, people are chasing building self storage before people live there. So even places like Auburn, I mean, we're seeing like it could be a five percent population growth year over year. That's phenomenal. So uh, a developer saw that uh, and built uh, self storage in front of uh, the growth, which is a good uh, good idea. It just isn't there yet. Um, Kind of a neighborhood by neighborhood business. So uh, depending on yeah. where your facility is, you really have to pay attention to natural barriers. Uh, kind of, you know, where is the the path of least resistance for one of your customers to go store stuff? Um, that's yeah. uh, that's kind of the key is really dialing in and knowing your market well. Yeah. All right, Josh. What do you what do you, what are you thinking? You got your Swami hat on. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is just listening and, and really listening to the retailers and watching them adapt and evolve and then 
kind of trying to get out in front of that. And, and we've been, you know, really excited to see retailers, you know, getting through COVID and figure out how to drive sales. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that the South Sound is, is really positioned well. I mean, I, I don't know if anybody saw Puget Sound Business Journal just hired another journalist to cover just Tacoma and the South Sound. So there's a lot of momentum kind of moving south in terms of you know, residential uh, and, and density and, and, and retail trails now. So, you know, I, I'm, you know, we're excited. We're positioned well to serve our clients and to try to maximize uh, their returns and, and find great spots for our retailers. So, um, you know, putting the flag down here and keep grinding, man. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I, I think with the kind of the, the change of office to where there could be some potential, like, Someone who was downtown Seattle might shrink their footprint in Seattle and then have a node south end, north, you know, up north and then the east side. So kind of that, uh, uh, you know, still having the, the allowing, allowing the employees to live in a lot of different places uh, and still have access to uh, some good employment, but without the hour and a half commute. So um, and the sounder really helps with that to Seattle. But if you're only taking the sounder once or twice a week into Seattle, you know, I mean. I'm, I'm biased cause I'm from Sumner. So living in Sumner is a great place to live and grow up as a kid. Um, so I think there's a, those types of things to come with the same thing, gig Harbor, all that. Um, all right, Jeff, you got your Swami hat on. So what, what's your, uh, what, what's your thoughts and, and where do you see the market, especially on the industrial side down in the Valley over the next 12 months? So I, I think over the next 12 months, um, you know, tremendously positive i think the combination of the the stimulus package that was just passed and just the fact that people have been pent up and i think we're going to get out and start doing stuff again is just going to you know put a bunch of money into the market and that obviously bodes well for for real estate and, and industrial i do worry you know 2022 and 2023 you know there's there's a point where you know, this, this run that we've had in our market and we've had, you know, 12 years of, you know, positive net absorptions almost every year, you know, it's going to come to a crashing halt at one point. And, you know, when that comes is, you know, anybody's guess, but, you know, we've been through enough market um, cycles to know that eventually it happens and, you know, it is going to, we're not immune to it and it will happen eventually here too. And, you know, my fear is 2022 and 2023. So, yeah. Well, as uh, one tip, so Jeff, one tip for investors, if you had a, uh, somebody call you up and they were thinking of investing in an industrial, what would be the one tip you'd tell them? Um, know, know the market, know the pricing that are inflated. And I always tell people this, if you're going to buy industrial, especially if it's, you know, an institutional grade type of an investment in, in the Ken Valley, you got to believe in something. You know, if you're conservative and you're kind of underwriting things, you know, that, um, you know, at really aggressive cap rates, you know, like seven or eight percent cap rates, you just you're not going to have any luck. And you're just banging your head up against the wall. So um, know that you're going to have to overpay, but, um, you know, believe in either the product, the location, the tenants or something to that extent to get into the market. Yeah, good tip. How about you, Josh? Investor calls, you know, out of town person calls you. What's the tip? And they say, when I search for retail in the South Sound, what's the tip you're going to give them? Uh, I mean, it just depends on if they're a value add or look, they're looking for a coupon clipper. I mean, it just really that profile is going to be very different because uh, the pricing 
you know, can shift really quickly depending on if you go unanchored versus anchored. So I think just understanding a little bit more about what they have and then attacking that expectation appropriately. Okay. Andrew, self-storage tip? Yeah. Great question. So, uh, yeah, mirroring that same uh, answer, just like, hey, you know, depending on your, your goals, uh, you know, if you're looking for stabilized stuff uh, in the south, you know, in the area, the Kent Valley particularly, uh, you're probably going to pay a, a nosebleed price and you have to be okay with that. Uh, and if that's your you know, investment goal is to just, you know, capital preservation, it's a great play. Uh, now, if you're like, you know, want to be a little more advantageous and I want to you know, make some money and uh, I would look, you know, get creative, you know, buy a smaller facility, buy a, a conversion, uh, look really deeply at a market and see where uh, there's some wiggle room to get in there and uh, earn some market share. Uh, there's opportunity there. Uh, you just kind of have to hit the big sites that you know work for self storage or kind of few and far between. So um, you got to do your homework and uh, talk to some good professional and uh, find a good opportunity and take advantage of it. Yeah. Okay. Good tip. And then Morgan, last but not least, you're rounding out the show with your your tip to an investor. I guess it's a silent tip. Sorry, I was muted. Um, my advice <laughs> to any, any investor in the Seattle market, and probably, uh, I don't know if I'm the oldest, I think Jeff's a pretty old guy, but watching this market, if I was to start, if I was to start young and fresh, I'd buy everything I could, dig my fingernails in and hang on. <laughs> That's what I did. That's right. That's a good tip. Buy a whole guy. You know, I'm, a big, I'm, I'm, I'm very bullish, and that, that just yeah. means I'm very. I'm, I'm like you, Derek. I'm very bullish on some of the natural amenities that make the coastal cities of this country just very attractive. And the Pacific Northwest, with their temperate climate, is just one of the best. And I, I've certainly yeah. benefited from it and enjoyed it. It's the mindset, yeah. and I think Jeff, you you started it off with the mindset, right? You got to have the right mindset to be an investor in real estate to begin with. And if you're trying to make the quick buck, it's not the industry to be in. You, it, yeah, you have to, it, you have to it, fight like hell to get a good asset. And and, and I agree with Morgan and you. I, I mean, I, I do think you know 2022, 2023, 2024 might be you know interesting, but I I do I am a big fan long term of this region, and um, for all the reasons that we've talked about prior. So. Yeah, and that's why you don't over leverage. You buy right, you hold on to it because there's going to be some down years. There always is, and then you just come out the other side. So it's uh, it's those down years that weed out those that really aren't that good in the investment strategy. Um, and so I can't speak enough about not being over leveraged because those down years will be lean. You'll be vacant, and you got to hold on to it. So, all right, well. That is uh, that is it. Those are the questions I had, and uh, you know I appreciate everybody's time on this. And Shane, I'll let you go ahead and uh, and wrap it up. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, we did not have any questions come in, but if anyone's out there wants to follow up with us, please go to www.realestateinvestment.training. Uh, you can sign up for upcoming events. Uh, you can send your uh, your associates to that site to. Uh, uh, register for a copy of the replay of, of the presentation that you just sat in on, if you'd like. And uh, on behalf of Derek, Andrew, Josh, Morgan, Jeff, Inland Securities, Seattle Funding Group, NAI, Puget Sound Properties, Brighton Jones, Commercial Brokers Association, 
CCIM Institute of Washington chapter, Institute of, <laughs> Derek, I need more commas in here. Institute of Real Estate Managers. We thank you all for your participation today and we look forward to seeing everyone at your next event. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay. All right, thanks everybody. Bye.